You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. After a long day, it's nice to pour oneself a stiff drink and kick back each sip peeling away the layers of stress and trouble brought on by the daily grind. Some people opt for a cold beer, while others pop the cork on a fresh bottle of wine. Me, I'm a scotch guy. But for those really tough days, the kinds that leave us drained and burned out, we might want something a little stronger, like a sling. A sling is a standard drink, usually made with an ounce of water, a teaspoon of sugar, nutmeg, and two ounces of a spirit of your choice. Slings can be made with whiskey or gin or rum, and they got their start hundreds of years ago. But why are they called that? Because you sling them back, of course. Early on, drinks in America used to be served hot, which was a holdover from the British way of serving them. It was believed that even in the summer months, a hot drink would make a person sweat, thus cooling them off. But over time, traditions changed. Frederick Tudor, also known as the Ice King, started shipping ice from Massachusetts to the Caribbean in 1806. By the 1830s, his ice was being used to refrigerate food and medicines in places as far away as India. But bars and wealthy homes saw another use for Tudor's frozen product, keeping their drinks cold. And among the kinds of beverages served with ice in them were slings. Bar patrons couldn't get enough of these concoctions, which only fueled the growing alcohol epidemic that eventually led to the prohibition in the 1920s. Those who did overdo it at the local pub often felt terrible the next day. They suffered from upset stomachs, which required a bit of medicine to help ease their pain. So they would take their bottle of bitters and add a few dashes to a spoon, or dribble them over a sugar cube, which they would then swallow to settle their stomachs. That's right. Before bitters became a way to enhance an alcoholic beverage, they were advertised as medicinal cure-alls. In fact, one of the hangover cures that developed out of all of this was to have a bit of the hair of the dog that bit you, meaning hangover sufferers would drink a little more. People started adding their bitters directly to their drinks, turning them into what they called bittered slings. But over time, that name changed. Bittered sling wasn't a particularly attractive name for a beverage, so bartenders and patrons just started calling them something else. And for that, they turned to horses' asses. No, they didn't turn into horses' asses. Well, not unless they'd had a little bit too much to drink at the bar. No, they looked to the racetracks for inspiration. You see, at the time, if someone wanted to purchase a horse, its owner would have the animal parade around so that the buyer could examine it. Aside from the color of the coat and the pep in its step, though, one thing they looked for was how it carried its tail. If a horse's tail was cocked upward, that meant that it was healthy and in good spirits. 
But if it was hanging down, that would be a sign of ill health, old age, and maybe even poor breeding. So to trick potential buyers that a horse was in better shape than it actually might have been, owners would stick a piece of ginger up the horse's... Well, you get the idea. This would irritate the horse and cause its tail to be cocked upright. The practice was atrocious and abusive, but bartenders started using it to help their patrons. And no, they didn't stick ginger up their butts. They would mix a few dashes of bitters in a glass with whiskey, ice, and water, and hand it to the patron, telling them that it would cock their tail or rejuvenate them. And so the phrase eventually became the name by which we call all mixed drinks today. Cocktails. All because somebody thought it was a good idea to put ginger in a horse's butt. No wonder they have such long faces. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. In 1927, an African-American spiritual was published that quickly took the world by storm. It was recorded by countless artists over the years and has appeared in a number of movies and television shows ever since, especially those set up at a summer camp. It's so well-known today, it's probably a cliché. Just picture a granola-eating camp counselor sitting around a fire, an acoustic guitar in his lap, as he leads the campers in a rollicking rendition of He's Got the Whole World in His Hands. It's a song about God, and for those who believe, it explains how he is in control of the lives that live in the world he's created. It's meant to convey the comforting image of an omnipotent being cradling the earth and the creatures that inhabit it. But one man thought that he could play God by creating his own world. And little did he know that his new invention would shake things up in a whole new way. 
His name was Erwin Percy, and he hailed from Austria at the turn of the 20th century. In 1900, when Percy was just 24 years old, he was in charge of designing and repairing medical tools used by doctors and surgeons. Occasionally, when a doctor was in need of something specific, they would go to Percy and request a new tool to be made. Erwin, like I said, was only 24 years old at the time when doctors in town came to him with a desperate plea. Their dark operating rooms needed better lighting. Light bulbs had been around for a number of years, but they were inefficient and the light that they produced was not enough for them to work by. They needed something better and brighter. So Percy got to work. He started doing research, which brought him to shoemakers. You see, shoemakers often worked long hours in rooms with minimal light, so they relied on a special kind of lamp to keep their workspace illuminated. It was comprised of four glass balls, or flasks, filled with liquid. Sometimes they would be filled with water, but schnapps or absinthe worked as well. The flasks were of different sizes, with the master shoemaker seated in front of the largest, while his apprentices sat before the smaller ones. They hung by leather straps around their necks from a wooden stool, while a candle burned in the center, and the lamp's macabre appearance is what gave it its other name, the gallows lamp. A light from the flame would be amplified by the liquid in the glass balls in front of it, and if they had been filled with an adult beverage like schnapps, the apprentices would take sips while the master was away. Percy liked the idea of the shoemaker's lamp, but he felt that it needed something else to make it more suitable for surgeons. He had the bright idea, pun intended by the way, of adding metal flakes to the inside that would help the light reach farther. Instead though, it had a different effect. Shaking the semolina-filled glass balls in his hand, Percy watched as the metal flakes drifted all throughout the liquid, settling on the bottom like fresh fallen snow. And so he pivoted from making light sources for surgeons and opened a factory to produce his brand new product, the snow globe. His first snow globe had a tiny model of the Austrian basilica inside. It became so popular as a gift that it wasn't until World War II when his son Erwin Percy II expanded the lineup. He had been working with the U.S. military when he was told that the troops would buy his family snow globes if they were more recognizable figures inside, since the basilica held almost no meaning to them. So Percy II returned to the factory with their feedback and designed three new models. One had a Christmas tree inside, another had a snowman, and the last held Santa Claus. Over the years, the product line has grown and different companies have come up with their own versions. Go into any souvenir shop today in any major tourist destination, and you're sure to find a snow globe with Disneyland or the Chicago skyline or the Empire State Building inside. But nothing quite measures up to what the Perseys have been making for the last 120 years. The snow inside an authentic Austrian snow globe is made from a top-secret formula that blends plastic with other materials to provide a squall that can last up to two minutes. It's an experience not easily replicated. But perhaps the greatest lasting testament to Erwin Percy's original creation aren't the snow globes with Christmas trees or snowmen inside. It was one specific snow globe, the only one of its kind, which was made around 1941. It held a small log cabin and was owned by a tyrannical newspaper magnate. The globe was destroyed when it slipped from his fingers upon his untimely death, a final reminder of the only time in his life when he was truly happy frolicking in the snow as a child, and riding his beloved sled, Rosebud. Though no records exist that Percy had created the snow globe for RKO Pictures, it is widely believed that the object owned by Orson Welles' character in Citizen Kane 
was made by the famous Viennese company. Erwin Percy did not set out to make sentimental glass balls filled with water, but he did, and so much more. He gave every customer a chance to hold a small world in the palm of their hands. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.